Yeah. Cave of two lovers, two yeah. lovers forbidden from one another, build a tunnel, secret tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Welcome back to Three Non-Benders. We're doing part two of our best episode of Avatar ever. Bracket form. In bracket form. Yeah. Um, we have some hard decisions to make today, but first, some intros. My name is Rachel. I am not a bender, but if I was, I would be an earthbender because... I am stubborn. We're going to see that in this episode. <laughs> I am going to come out on top with my favorite episodes in the top two. Hello, I am Marissa, and if I were a bender, I would be a water bender because I am going into this with the openness to change my mind. Oh, you sound like a really a lot better human be than me. <laughs> no, but wishy-washy is better. I'm just going to be swayed left and right here with the Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> My name is Tim, and I am not a bender, but if I was a bender, I would be an airbender because flying is just controlled falling. <laughs> Don't really know if that makes sense, but think about it. Yeah, I'm percolating. Yeah. Uh, I am so excited to get into this. Do you guys want to do, uh, we'll just go to We got to just bottom. go down the line, yeah. We just got to go down yeah. the line. Okay, should we list out all the episodes and then... Yeah, also, I want to go back when we were listing and call out dibs if you think it was your draft pick, and I feel like we should write our names next Oh, time. sure. Okay. Because I'm yeah. in it for a firm handshake. Oh, yeah, that's oh, yeah. right. A firm Marissa, Marissa really wants to win. Okay. Number one is Cave of Two Lovers. That, that was, was Marissa, right? me. <laughs> City of Walls and Secrets. That was Tim. Crossroads of Destiny. That was me. Puppet Master. Must have been Marissa. Yes. The Ember Island Players. That was Tim. Yeah, that sounds like me. Then six would be me, which is the beach. Marissa, number seven was the headband, and that was yours. Number eight, the blue spirit was Tim's. Number nine, the southern air temple was mine. Number ten was the desert, which was Marissa's. Number eleven was the southern raiders, which was Tim's. Number twelve was the firebending masters which was mine number 13 was sosin's comet part three which was definitely mine marissa's and very convincing honestly um number 14 was the chase and that was tim no the, the chase was me oh you waited me out on that one i forgot <laughs> number 15 was boiling rock part one we did one all together didn't we yeah, I feel like the last one we like kind of all chose. I feel like it may have been the chase because I think we all had that one on our list. No, I think I chose that one. I okay. remember because I was waiting Tim out mm -hmm. to pick the chase oh, and yeah. he was waiting me out and he won. Um, and then <laughs> six, 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 16 was all. It was the Avatar and the Fire Lord. Okay, cool. Dope. Okay, should we just start at the top? Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's going to be the Cave of Two Lovers and the Avatar and the Fire Lord. All right. I could actually be swayed here. So my whole thing is they're just two vastly different structured episodes. One is predominantly flashback, and I love me a good flashback episode. And the other one is just like straight up. Current adventure. A, yeah. Here's my argument for the Cave of Two Lovers. I think it is a highlight of everything that Avatar has to offer. It's got funny stoner hippie dudes and like cute songs, and it's like nailing Avatar's humor 
but it also has the um, introduction to like the badrimals with the bending and it's like a more spiritual side to the bending. There's also a serious makeout in there. Yeah, there's yeah, there's a mild to serious <laughs> makeout and like there's Sokka at his most Sokkaist. And then we've got the dopest B story because it is mm-hmm. Zuko and his uncle post ponytail chop off embracing the life of refugees. Yeah. And he steals that chicken ostrich bird. And yeah. the, the gal shows him her scar and like tries to have a sensitive moment with Zuko and he just rejects it. Yeah, well she also tries to touch his scar, which I'm like, girl, you have a scar. You should touch know your that, own like, scar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's just like, I don't know. That's not the that's not Zuko should have said that. But the Avatar and the Fire Lord is an extremely different episode. Because Avatar and the Fire Lord is a flashback episode, but it also, like, this story structure that it follows, like, it does not really have a B plot, which is very interesting. Like, the two plots are the A plot, but you're, like, getting them from different characters, so it's like, there's, like, an A and B plot, but it's, like, not that at all. Yeah. I think, I feel like it not necessarily, like, humanized Fire Lord Azulon, but it definitely, like, showed you how that could be a person's thinking. It's a really good episode. Mm -hmm. I watched it today. I I agree with everything you're saying about Avatar and the Fire Lord because you get so much payoff and it's right before this, like, very fast finale. That's true. And it, like, brings Aang and Zuko together again, which, like, I don't know. we We don't really have a heavy Aang and Zuko episode since, like, the Blue Spirit. That's true. God, I love both these episodes so yeah, what much. Yeah, do what do you feel about Game of Two Lovers? It is definitely, like, a pure essence of Avatar episode. It's, like, extremely fun. It's extremely weird. And it has this very methodically told B-plot. I feel like it was a very heavy B-plot, and the only way that yeah. they could have that extremely heavy B-plot in an Avatar episode this early before, like, shit gets really real in season three was to pair it with something as lighthearted and, like, full of love as The Cave of Two Lovers. Yeah, I I would argue that's a reoccurring thing yes. in Avatar. But here's the thing. Like, I also feel that way in a sense about The Avatar and the Fire Lord because I really the characters are so mm-hmm. goofy and so fun and, like, they mm-hmm. could have been so stilted and shitty, but, like, mm-hmm. they're so... We see them have fun with each other and have real friendships that we buy. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, like, Avatar mm-hmm. and the Fire Lord also does that. I think the hard thing about Avatar and the Fire Lord is that it has a really high bar to clear in that it's, like, late show, like, late season three or mid-season three or so. Everything's happening. Plot events are happening every single episode. And it takes us away from all the characters we know and love for most of the time. We see some, like, Aang being, you know, sitting on a dragon and, like, Zuko being angsty. But, like, really, we're with a whole bunch of characters we haven't seen before and won't see again. And I think it's sort of impressive how well the show, or, like, the episode does with a bunch of characters it had to introduce to us for the first time. Although I guess it had a lot to work with because we knew a lot about the characters already. But I don't know if it wins over something where we get to like have a great time with Aang and Katara and Sokka and all the homies and we also get that like dope narrative shit that I do think the B plot brings in Cave of Two Lovers. Yeah, because I, I really feel like hear it, you. It highlights it shows Zuko at his like most complicated mm-hmm. and it also highlights Iroh teaching Zuko the way of literally, like, becoming a refugee and, like, ostensibly living the life that Aang has lived 
like upon watching it again recently, I think it is a more meaty episode than I remember it being. Mm-hmm. I was just looking up where it is situated in the chap or in the chapter in the um season season. And as far as like Zuko's arc goes, it is immediately after the beach. Wow. So I'm j- I'm really interested in where both of these episodes are in co- the context of their season and then in the mm-hmm. context of the characters that they talk about. So yeah. with uh, Cave of Two Lovers, it's right in the beginning of season two. We get the origin story of Earthbending right when that hits. So Aang is like absorbing this knowledge about Earthbending while he's also like with Katara. When Katara's around, Aang feels very safe, and obviously we get a lot of that in this episode like even when things don't go as planned and like he messes up or like whatever he's still like just really loves being around Katara and loves Katara and like that is that point in their relationship where it's like still very innocent they have not really had to face real conversations which we'll see later and he's learning this origin story of bending so it's all this like new growth new positivity at the beginning of season two for Aang Meanwhile, with the Avatar and the Fire Lord, I have always felt that Aang didn't really have an arc in that. Like, it was definitely about Zuko coming to terms with this conflicting mm-hmm. past that he has. And so for Zuko, that's right after the beach where he says, you know, the line, I'm mad at myself. And it's two episodes before the Day of Black Sun when he, like, finally confronts his dad. So... Wow, so much happens so, in season three. So yeah. much happens in season three. So yeah. I think we're... Uh, also Zuko in the first one like we're seeing Zuko at the polar ends of his journey and we're seeing Aang highlighted in one of those and not really in the other one I think you have a point in that like the gang and the crew and the concerns of the characters are a lot smaller in early season two than they are in like late season three Mm -hmm. and like that almost makes me feel like we should give it to the season three episode just because they're like blanket so much better but I think but Avatar and the Fire Lord doesn't show that like Aang takes a back seat yeah. so Roku can tell his story. Yeah, that's true. You know? And it's a good it story. Totally yeah. It's like a surprisingly good story for a one-off, I think. Yeah. yeah. But, like, Cave of Two Lovers captures, like, everything dope about those characters in that moment. It was the first... It was, like, the first real hint... I feel like I'm probably going to mm-hmm. say this a bunch of times, but it was the first real hint to me that they were going to do something great. Because, like, season one is really, really cool, but to me it never got to the level of great, except for maybe the Blue Spear, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about. Basically, Cave of Two Lovers encompasses everything that we want to showcase about that part of the season, and Avatar and the Fire Lord doesn't show the gang in a, enough of a way for us to call it the best, so we're going to knock it off and have Cave of Two Lovers win the round? Is that what we're saying? Because it is my draft pick is and I want a firm handshake. ready to vote? <laughs> I am yeah. ready. I'm ready to vote. Okay. All for Cave of Two Lovers? Yeah. yeah. We're all raising our hands. Okay, great. <laughs> firm handshake. <laughs> firm handshake. <laughs> okay. It is, like, it's amazing to think that the one we picked very last and, mm-hmm. like, all together is, like, went toe-to-toe with the one we picked first, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The next one is the Southern Air Temple and the Blue Spirit. Oh, that's so hard. It's really hard. Jesus. Okay, regarding these two episodes, Mm -hmm. going back to what Tim was saying earlier about knowing that Avatar could be great, but not seeing that until like season two, beginning of season three. I think there's a quality of the first season. I mean, it's very blue, but like there's just something unique about what they did with their like limited budget and resources and like using a different animation studio like there's something 
about the quality of these two episodes animations where they really do make the best even if like their three-quarter face like the character turning around is like so wonky but like they make it work in like this deep emotional way that I think both of these episodes encompass is going to be really really hard for me to choose yeah so the southern air temple was my pick and the blue spirit was Tim's pick so let's talk about why we picked those episodes. Mm-hmm. I genuinely do not know which one I feel like is better, but I picked the Southern Air Temple because it has that really wonderful juxtaposition of the like A plot that is incredibly sad and emotional and then the B plot that is much like lighter and different like Zuko what is the B plot? Zuko and well it's not like that much lighter but Zuko and uh, Iroh meet Zhao. So Zhao is introduced to us. The villain oh. to the villain is introduced to us. Oh my god, Zhao is a dick. And, oh. He's a he's a super. He just dick. shits on Zuko. He literally looks him in the eye and he's like, "Your dad doesn't want you." Yeah, yeah but and we don't know the extent to which Zuko and Zhao will go yet. So like, my experience knowing what happens with Zhao and Zuko might color this. But I feel like this episode is the episode where like Zuko first starts to become humanized because now he has an antagonist, and there's some. Genuinely comic moments. Yeah. Like, in the beginning, when they're meeting Zhao, it's, like, very comic because he's like, why is your ship damaged or whatever? And then Zuko's like, uh, tell him, uncle. And uncle's like, uh, and they, like, it's funny, okay? It's funny you should watch the episode. <laughs> it's also the first mm-hmm. real glimpse we get of firebending, that episode is. Oh, the yeah, because they have the dances for the yeah. first The Agni oh, yeah. Kai is, like, the first firebending we see. And mm-hmm. it is, like, it's the first time we see them firebend for real. And it could have been not cool, and it's super cool. And it's, and it's, it's super t- dope because, like... And super small in scope. Like, it's not like yeah. they are, like, super right powered. Yeah. It's a tight fight sequence that's so effective in uh-huh. teaching us a world-building thing. I definitely agree with that. A reason I also chose that episode was... I mentioned this in one of our pre-recordings where we talked about this episode. We talked about how Aang is, like, confronting his genocide, like, the genocide of his people. And the shot where he like sees monkey Otto and like drops to his knees is always going to be with me yeah because he really has hope until he sees that and then that's when he yeah. like busts into the avatar state the line that i am always reminded of when i see this is from doctor who basically in season like five or six whichever one is 11's first season he is talking to an alien who's like taking over a town and he's like, why are you here? Why are you taking over this town? And she's like, well, I'm the last of my people, so I have nowhere to go. And he's like, don't tell me you're the last of your people. Like, I am the last of my people, and I know how it sits in a heart. And it's always just been, like, a very powerful link between this episode and that moment where Aang, like, busts into the Avatar state. And, like, and so Aang's, like, violent emotion, like, is super meaningful to me. You know, when I was talking about, like, how the art progressed, mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of the shot I was thinking of. Yeah. I just think they did so well in essentially a painting that they like animate around. Like mm-hmm. they just still made it feel like a heavy traumatic moment. Cause like mm-hmm. Aang goes into the Avatar state later and we see him, you know, we see Katara react similarly. Mm-hmm. And this episode, she knows exactly like why this is happening and like what to say. And she's like, you are our family now. Like she like solidifies the team within that moment Mm -hmm. it's like episode technically the second episode Mm -hmm. and to have like that emotional depth that early on and then to see her do it again as like the show and the characters and like the animation and everything progresses i think is super dope 
but they yeah. like set that up here. Tim, why did you pick the Blue Spirit? Uh, because it's the best episode of Avatar, probably. Why? Uh, <laughs> why and how? No, I don't know if it's really the best, but when I think of my favorite episodes of Avatar, the Blue Spirit is what immediately comes to mind to me. It really should have been my first pick. It's the bomb. It's so... Aang, God, I can't even remember what the B-plot is off the top of my head. Does anybody remember oh, what the B-plot is? Oh, I do, is? because I was going to talk about it earlier. Okay, cool. It's super goofy. Um, Sokka is hallucinating because he has a fever. Yeah, that's and right. And Katara gets it, and she's trying to get Momo to go get water. Yeah. And he keeps coming back with trinkets. Yeah. And she's literally like, the thing that I bend, <laughs> yeah. Momo. Yeah. And he's like, boop, 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 boop. Like, <laughs> that's um, right. Some excellent yeah. Mo moments in this episode. Yes. Yeah. But also just like the A-plot, It's it starts so normal. Well, first of all, it doesn't start normal. There is some comedy gold with that old lady he meets. Oh, that's uh, true. Yeah. She is super crazy, and I was like, she must come back, and then she never did. I think she did once, but... Wait, Lotus. <clears throat> oh, God. <laughs> and then he's, like, going on a fetch quest, and he, like... Gets kidnapped by Gets archers. kidnapped, and, like, it's that... It's, like, the chase sequence we always see, but, A, it's amazing, because... They have those archers, and they have the bows mm-hmm. with the strings, and they oh, can, like, and fly around on I them. I liked that they functionally showed what, like, shooting an arrow into itself would do. Because yeah. they're like, oh, a super impressive archer. Bullseye, bullseye, bullseye. Yeah. But, like, this one, they used it to, like, break cut the target. The arrow and then, yeah. like, cut the, like, iceberg that he put up. Yeah. So good. Yeah. But, like, mm-hmm. then we get the greatest sequence ever, though. I don't know about you guys, but I genuinely did not guess who the Blue Spirit is. And did not know during the scene you see this this mysterious person kidnap Aang and then pull him out and then they almost get caught and he puts a knife to Aang like he's going to kill mm-hmm. him and uses him to back out of the of the place mm-hmm. and then there's sort of a fight sequence and, and Aang sees that he has the Zuko scar and he mm-hmm. knows and then they wake up and they have this weird exchange in the woods that's like fuels their it's very powerful furious yeah. relationship with each other <laughs> mm-hmm. for a long time and when he then, runs away on the trees, yeah, too, it's dude, like such a beautiful. And then shot. like Ang like... gets home and doesn't want to talk, and Zuko yeah. gets home and like looks at the flag of his people, and he's like, "Oh no!" Yeah, and, he like, like rolls yeah. over on his side, and then Ang rolls over on his side, and yeah. You're like, mm. At this point in the show, I was so tired of Zuko just like being the bad guy, and mm-hmm. it was the first hint that like there really is a duality between them, and they're both going through a journey. Yeah, and I could be genuinely persuaded. To Ooh. pluck the blue spirit out of It is so of cruel to put these two season one gems together. So, okay. Um, I watched this episode last night, and I had also watched this YouTube video, and I'm trying to remember who it was, if it was Nerdwriter or, like, Lessons from the Screenplay, but either way, they were talking about establishing a theme and, like, how to properly establish a theme of, like, complicated emotions and the Sungi horn music that we get that is always associated with uncle for the rest of the um, story and like some of Zuko's stuff later in season three mm-hmm. is all established in this episode. So like all Ooh. of the complicated moments where he's like turning away and like, oh. or like the, I mean the blue spirit has its own theme, but like all of the times that Zuko and Aang are together, that Sungi horn music is playing and then when he comes back to the boat his uncle is like playing the horn and we automatically oh. associate it with Iroh for the rest of it but we associate it with Iroh's complicated like backstory and his complicated feelings and it's only because we've established it with those feelings between Aang and Zuko yeah Damn. that's amazing oh my so God. like for season one I think yeah. it is a beautiful fucking episode yeah that's crazy totally. are we prepared to hold a vote I am prepared I am. All right, 
All in favor of the blue spirit say aye. 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 Okay. Next bracket. The Puppet Master versus Sozin's Comet Part 3. Okay, oh. good. <laughs> I'm just going to dive right into this for the one. slaughter? Okay. Sozin's Comet Part 3, I watched it by itself. It does I showcase did. some of the best bending, but it also arguably amazing. the Puppet Master does that. So, like. Sozin's Comet Part 3 is Avatar's showpiece for giant bending yeah and they achieved that they wait so long like they could have tried to have people like blowing up whole ravines with fire Mm -hmm. in season one and they didn't and Mm -hmm. they didn't so they could do it in the last episode of avatar basically Mm -hmm. and that's what they do and it's amazing it's like it's the showpiece for that but also part three if you watch it just by itself it is just ripped out of the gut of like a story yeah like none of it works on by itself yeah it just doesn't uh, so this was the Puppet Master? So are we all just going to go for the Puppet Master? Yeah, but I, I think we should really discuss the Puppet Master yeah. in the next round. Yeah, the Puppet it's... Master is so good that it, like, gets a pass, basically. Yeah. Right. Okay, next one. The Firebending Masters versus the Ember Island Players. Oh, my God. So the Ember Island Players so, is one of it's a true my spectacle. I mean, favorite episodes. It's unbelievable that they could pull this off. It's unbelievable that they could... It's the it's the second it's the episode before the finale, right? Yeah, it is. It is the episode the before the penultimate finale. episode, mm-hmm. and it's this weird random side adventure, mm-hmm. which but never like works to show. do at the end. It's yeah. like a clip show, but that's not. It's yeah. like snarky, and it's so self aware, and it but it like not too much. And then Zuko like, has that moment enough. where he's like, Toph, it's awesome for you because you're like a big burly dude who gets to smash things and is awesome. But for me, it's literally throwing all of my mistakes at my literal face. And he's going to have to go to like war the next day, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, I love just... that. That I think the intermission is crucial for Ember Island players for me. It is just like, like we, again, this lighthearted thing juxtaposed with kind of an emotional reaction from Aang. Like... The B plot, or whatever, if it can be considered a B plot, with the A plot being just the play itself, is their reactions. And so much of it is focused on Aang's feelings about Katara. They kind of play on the Zuko and Katara vibes that are in the air, frankly. Oh, yeah. It's the, um, it's the closest we ever get. Are you kidding me? It's, it's why very Aang close. walks out. Yeah. yeah. He literally, like, nods when the character is like, everyone knows she's the avatars girl he's like mm-hmm. yeah. and i was like don't nod. yeah yeah ang just like doesn't understand why they're not together and is like trying to get katara to say like oh no i'm sorry we're together now but she keeps pushing back on that and like they could have given us something else there but instead they chose for them to have like a very complicated moment and I just, it is like one of my favorite moments in the entire series. I'm prepared to die on this hill. Like, it is one of the best moments in the entire series. Yeah. And I, it's like they that flirted moment, with giving them a good ending. <laughs> right. <laughs> we were stolen from yeah. that promise in the actual ending. But like, I thought that that is, was just an amazing scene. And it holds up with the stuff going on in the play because like, there's all of these like unrealities happening in front of them, like just slightly bended truth. Everyone reacts differently to their character, but the thing that like Aang is most hurt by is that like it's presenting a version of the world where he just doesn't get to be with the person that he loves and it sends him into like a really horrible place. Like he's yeah. not very kind to Katara on the balcony. Yeah. And it's just like more proof that Aang has more work to do before he's like emotionally ready to like be the avatar and fight the fire lord and whatever and he does most of that on the lion turtle later but it's like 
right up till the end and yeah. like cannot let go it's of quite the things a, that he yeah. wants and it's he quite needs a to cynical do statement about your lead character yeah the episode before their final challenge right like the yeah. episode before the end like oh that's really sad too because it triggers him going back to running away like yeah. they literally all think he ran away again yeah. you know and katara is still hopeful about it yeah Anybody have anything mm-hmm. to say about the Firebending Masters? Love me some Rainbow oh, Fire. That's what I have to say. It's right? so like, good. Rainbow yeah. so Fire. Mm-hmm. Without this episode, there's no more Rainbow Fire on the bracket. That really upsets me. <laughs> it does. <laughs> and that's also a very, very good episode. Again, just comedy gold. Those Sun yeah. Warriors are hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. And t- talk about episodes where Aang is a dick in season three. <laughs> Remember when he lights the fire and then his fire goes out and he tries to get Zuko's and then Zuko goes out? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I also thought that was just, I mean, like, Aang was being a dick, but he was also being adorable. Oh, yeah. Like, that is what I No, the it's just like they know their character, they know all their characters mm-hmm. so well in season three. Like, yeah. Better than they've ever known them before. Yeah. And Zuko and Aang have that, they have several really nice moments during this episode. Like, when they're going up to the fire uh, dragon (laughs) castle thing at the top of the mountain, Aang is shown struggling behind Zuko, and Aang is like, can you help me? Like, I can't get this fire to grow if I, like, if I, if I let it grow, it's gonna, I'm gonna lose control, basically. And then Zuko is like, no, you can do it. You're a talented kid. Which, I love this moment because I'm trying to track after he joins the group when he starts calling Aang Aang and not the Avatar. It was something that I was noticing in this episode. He calls him the Avatar the whole time. But I think that moment is a moment where he, like, separates those two ideas. And he's like, you're a talented kid. Like, you are a kid who is talented. He's not like, you can do it. You're the Avatar. He's like, you can do it because you can do it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. There's also a lot of Zuko proving that he's going to be a good teacher. He offers moments of resistance when Aang wants to just turn back and go. Aang's like, nope, there's a booby trap. This is too hard. Uh, Zuko's like, no, we're just going to like go forward and we're going to keep doing. Mm-hmm. I love how that's representative of both of their elements and how they like complement each other mm-hmm. in moments like that. Like You're like, okay, this team is like going to be stronger with Zuko on it. Yeah. But I feel like we all know what we gotta do. We gotta yeah. vote. Right. We gotta vote. Can't say enough about Rainbow Fire. Can't yeah, say yeah. enough about it, but I think it's gonna be the Ember Island players. Yeah. I yeah, agree. I agree. Yeah. Okay. The next one is City of Walls and Secrets and Boiling Rock Part One. Oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> Tim's two pet episodes go head to head. I I am moved to think that it is City of Walls and Secrets for me initially because Boiling Rock Part 1 is not my favorite part of Boiling okay, Rock. Okay, but Boiling Wa- Rock Part Uno is I, I hear amazing. You. I hear you, but we're not talking about Boiling Rock Part 1 versus Boiling Rock Part 2. Yeah, I just I can't see them separately. <laughs> so I feel um, like I can't even weigh in on this. <laughs> but I feel like City of Walls and Secrets is... I mean, Tim, you've said it before. It's the Palace Intrigue episode. It's the see what's going on. Behind the scenes. It's like like, when it starts being a show that's directly about like big ideas, like how people are governed and things like that. Absolutely. It does not, it is on a very interpersonal level before that. And they flirted with that with some of the interesting stuff that goes on in the Water Tribe in season one. But City of Walls and Secrets just breaks it open and has so much more to it. Mm -hmm. It's the core of season two. Season two is a great season, and the core of why it's great is the crazy stuff that goes on in Bossing Sai. Also part of that is uh, because 
that is like the first system of government that's actively working against Aang. Mm-hmm. Like the Water Tribe stuff was with a, you know, a chief who wanted to work with Aang, mm-hmm. like who and who was on the hero's side. Like of course he was, mm-hmm. and so it's a lot less hard for us as an audience to accept that premise because it's like of course the world leaders would be on the good guys side yeah. or whatever. But then that essential worldview comes into question with bossing say yeah i think it made me think of how we talk about themes of imprisonment in Mm -hmm. avatar a lot Mm -hmm. this is the first place that ang has been that he is like well okay he's been captured a lot of times but (laughs) after being captured he is usually welcomed as a guest yeah yeah and this is the first time where he has been welcomed as a guest and then captured yeah (laughs) that's true you know i also just feel like i was noticing watching this episode like it's very interesting that this place of imprisonment is so stifling for ang and part of that is because he's like an airbender in an earthbending community. And I just think it's very interesting to think about how the Earth Kingdom people are very rooted in like traditions of respect and conservatism. And they are a people who is like willing to do what needs to be done for like the greater good of their survival in that place of like plot of land that they're yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, but- in comes a nomadic air nomad who's like wrapped up in all of this and trapped in a city that is like morally and like spiritually diametrically opposed to his worldview and values what you said about them being like rooted in tradition i think it also makes them a little bit more susceptible to like the particular oppression that the daily offers of yeah. like there is no war embossing say uh-huh. it's like I people are letting themselves be controlled by fear and you can see how a society that has such self-interest and like coming out of well you know whatever horrible shit is going down with the world like coming out of that alive like within bossing say like they were like going to work as hard as it, they could to make sure mm-hmm. things weren't bad in bossing say and you could see yeah. how a society of people who like wanted to be safe gave up their rights until ultimately it was like not a situation in which anybody knew about the war but i just want to say what if i told you there was an episode of avatar where Zuko and Sokka, sworn enemies, mm-hmm. break into a prison inside a volcano, get this awesome escape plan that involves throwing a fridge into boiling water, and then at the end, Sokka's like, I should just go because I can't wait for my dad and figure something else out. Because he just suffered so much from losing to the Fire Nation. It was his whole identity and he lost it all. And... Zuko's like, no, we can wait. Like, you can you can do it. He tells him to make the call. And that's it. And it's just mm-hmm. this, like, it's just the down, but, like, they make it such a great place for the character. Also, Sokka is so, so dope in this. And, like, we get Suki back. Okay, but we could we could vote. I mean, like, I'm not... I'm glad I got to make the case. No, man, you... Rock part one. I'm really know. glad it got a chance to say its piece. But we but feel City... confident of City and Walls and Secrets. I mean, the, the thing is... I enjoy watching Boiling Rock Part 1 more yeah. than I enjoy yeah. watching City of Walls and Secrets. Yeah. And yeah. just for that, I'm willing to, like, give it. I feel like it's got to be City of Walls and Secrets. I just feel like that episode's mm-hmm. freaking insane. Toph is, like, at her best in that, too. Like, subverting society yeah, from dude. within. And just the, really the, the cut to credit 
moment, mm -hmm. like the end shot is was so great, and it's the lady again, and it was so I was oh, so, yeah. scary. so scary, and like they yeah. genuinely snuck up on you. She like, did have, I mean, we did have the bear in this episode also. Uh, you mean right? the platypus bear? Oh, <laughs> his gopher bear, the duck bear, just as bear, gecko just bear? bear. Yeah, it's gotta be. It's gotta be. Mm -hmm. City walls. Yeah. I do want to say you guys outvoted me, but my vote did go to Boiling Rock Part One. That's fine. I just Dude, wanted I'm, to be documented. I am so happy about that. <laughs> we'll have the Boiling Rock Part One versus Part Two conversation sometime. Yeah, someday. Okay, next one is the desert and the headband. Ooh, that's so hard. That is like uh, one of the hardest decisions okay, for ever. For anyone listening to this who has forgotten the headband as I did or hasn't watched the desert recently and only remembers the giant mushroom scene, go back and watch both of them. Yeah. They yeah. are incredible episodes. Uh, yeah, I feel like I know what I feel about this. What episode. do you feel? I really like both these episodes. Mm -hmm. Really like both of them. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's the desert. I I can also say I that. Feel like, I was thinking that too. I feel like the headband has a glorious beginning and end, but mm -hmm. I was a little bored in the middle, and the desert is just wall-to-wall -wall insanity. Dude, yeah. Wall-to-wall. My whole thing with the headband that I was, like, super amped about when I, like, rewatched it... Uh, I uh, I just love that they're, like, going into enemy territory, but they're still, like, treating it the same way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I it's love... very beautiful. And yeah. the montage where they all get clothes is great. Mm -hmm. And it's when they all get hot is and when they get And I think it's cool that we get the perspective of how the Fire Nation treats colony people. Yeah, You know? Like, and, like, what, what must yeah. they think from within? Because, like, we don't have that information and neither does Aang and the crew and it's we like start to get that and no. it's just a great way to like make you empathize with a people you're about to learn so much more about like it's yeah. at the beginning of season three and like they just show you a bunch of kids you know that's how yeah. you build empathy you start with the cute things yeah you know and they're just these firebender kids and they're just kidding around and it's real cute yeah and Aang even gets it he gets it through a very innocent way like they don't know how to dance but like he also goes into their history classroom and like hears the teacher say he defeated like the air nation army mm -hmm. and he's like well the air nation didn't have a formal military he's just get he's getting to see that these kids are like disadvantaged i guess mm -hmm. in like the things that he has maybe taken for granted his whole life being able to like travel and meet people from all nations and he like wants to return that to them yeah. i think he had a really just insightful moment of wisdom for our young avatar being like we have to teach them while they're young that like the outside world is an okay place or else they'll just all turn into the people who we're at war with yeah the education aspect of it is always like so interesting to me i just i've, I've had this thought with the avatar and the fire lord too there's a scene when Zuko is looking, he's looking up at Sozin's picture and Azula comes by, or he's looking up at uh, Azulon's picture and Azula comes by and he says, do you know what our great-grandfather's history was? And she says, didn't you pay any attention in school? And it just struck me as like very sad that this girl would learn about her grandfather in school, but we get in this episode the like foreshadowing of that, that like every child is given the same access to learning and access to information 
as a means of psychological control underneath the Fire Nation, including children of the royal family. And you're absolutely right. Like, it's not just that Aang is, like, learning about a new culture. It's that he's, like, bringing with him, like, the gift of nomadic, like, learning and curiosity and, like, the natural interest that airbenders have in other cultures in order to, like, build a more, like, complete spiritual view of the world. Mm -hmm. And so he, he brings that to them through dancing. I mean... He does, like, he does the Fire Nation dance from, like, a hundred years ago or whatever, which we've seen him do once before. Which, honestly, I think is the role that Aang plays. He kind of, like, gets to showcase why old people are so important in this (laughs) series. Yeah, he's technically a hundred-year-old man. Yeah, he's, like, a living prelic. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know. Yeah. I I dig that episode so much. And it, it is like, it is Aang using his avatar status in the purest way. Um, and his team going along for the ride. But um, how to, but we could, could we vote? Before I mean, we vote, I just want to say, like, this episode totally reinforces my phone background, which is right now, um, it's not the Momo one, I changed it. <laughs> it's uh, the gang as... The Avatar gang as Star Wars characters. Yes. And, like, truly the Avatar gang is resistance. Like, they are resistance fighters if I have ever seen them. That's amazing. You got to send me that. Yeah, dude, of course. Okay. Um, To the point of the desert, though, mm -hmm. I still feel like the desert is a better episode because it just just, like punches you right in the teeth. Like, it is unrelenting, but Sokka's, like, comedic value is so pure yeah Yeah, dude and Katara is like plowing through she's just like I know everyone is like effed right now and like we're effed but like we're gonna walk through this desert we have this information and we're gonna get it like she is always on mission she is keeping the gang Uh hopeful she gives them her bending water to drink Uh like mama's on fire and Aang is just like so emotionally devastated and I think at the end like that shot that we get that's just so heartbreaking oh. of Katara is like her realizing that like plowing forward she had like ignored Aang's feelings because she like had to you know mm-hmm. to like keep the gang moving forward I don't think that she really was able to address like his yeah. mourning yeah and I think like her just like hugging him at the end and him crying is just like such a beautiful moment it really is yeah it's the closest we get to seeing Aang do something like bad like, yeah. real bad. Like, he's about to, like, hurt some people. He, I mean, he, uh, just before that, he, like, blew up the sand ship thing. Like, yeah. he was he, in the middle of enacting violence, even as a fully, ooh, and we get that scene. Bee. Yes, we get that scene where he kills the bee, and it's just, it like. it takes Momo. It yeah. takes Momo, and he's like, I'm not losing another one. It is really, like, the episode where he goes through his grief about losing Appa. Yeah. And he has, like so much rage and rage is already such a confusing emotion but like being who ang is like so devoted to peace like so devoted to living a cruelty-free life having him enact that kind of violence hits exactly as it's supposed to hit Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it comes just before the avatar state in which as you just mentioned marissa he's like only able to be pulled back by an incredible act of tenderness by katara well he's desperate you know like i don't think i think he's angry but i think that comes from a place not of like primal like it is a primal feeling but i don't think it's like 
it's not like it's not like firebending. Right? Do you know what I mean? It's like oh, it's desperation. A yeah, like, it's a secondary emotion mm-hmm. based on like the grief that he's feeling. Yeah, and I think they're pushed to their limits mm-hmm. of like physical limits too. I think that he's just like so distraught and so desperate. He doesn't say like we got to get Appa back because like Appa's part of the team. He looks at Katara and he's like, we won't survive without yeah. him. Appa is everything to Aang. Appa facilitates his way of life. I could vote. I could. I would say the desert. Yeah. I yeah, I would also vote the desert. Crossroads of Destiny and the Chase. I'm just going to straight up say I do not hold Crossroads of Destiny to the highest regard. That's like, fine. to as high of regard as I think you do. But it is a great episode. It's a great episode. But mm-hmm. I think the Chase wins. I think the Chase wins, too. I'll, I just, I watched it in such close succession with... City of Walls and Secrets, when Tim and I watched it together the other mm-hmm. day, like, we mm-hmm. watched those two back-to-back, and City of Walls and Secrets is just the superior episode. I concede. That's mm-hmm. fine. Um, but I think that, so I think I would rather the chase win. Yeah, I mean, both episodes get our full crew. I mean, right. us, the chase doesn't have, no, oh, it has May and Tylee, too. Yeah. And yeah. you get that dope combo between Toph and uh, Lyro, so... We'll yeah. talk more about that yeah. episode in uh, round, round two, dose. but I feel good that we were able to get that one right out of the mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. This one's going to be tough. You guys ready? The Southern Raiders or the beach? Oh, oh. no. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, no. God, those both <laughs> have to win. They are both the best episode of Avatar. Yeah. We know yeah. that, but yeah. which one's better? Because the Southern Raiders... Okay, my only thing that would make me vote against the Southern Raiders, I'm just thinking points off the top of my head. The Puppet Master is there. Yeah. So we have a very strong Katara representation already within round two of the bracket. And in a lot of ways, that is the best part of the arc, I think. Like, I think Mm -hmm. it's a little better than Mm -hmm. Southern Raiders. Southern Raiders, the thing that always just blows my mind about the Southern Raiders is that she bloodbends in it and that they don't Mm -hmm. even address it. Like, they don't even say anything and you can totally miss it. I just think that's so... You, you do get like a brief reaction shot from Zuko. I mean, Zuko, for the most part in this episode, is like he doesn't evolve, I would say. Yeah. Um, but it's also such a great, he, he's so great. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. he's a really good, uh, it's really good that they have him go on this adventure with her where like he has had his arc, he's yeah. done with his arc. Yeah. He's uh, just there to help facilitate the other characters' arcs closing out. Mm-hmm. And he does that with Sokka with the Boiling Rock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this is his journey to do that with Katara. And so you get the reaction shots of him when she's, like, when he realizes what she's capable of and what, mm-hmm. like, how all of the times she threatened him, she really meant it. And, like, yeah. he was not about to stand in her way. But I think it was more than just, like, he was frightened of her. He was, like, had faith in her and was, like, she mm-hmm. is going to make it out of this and do the right thing and make the right decisions. And, like, I know what being in that position is like. And I'm not going to interfere because this is what she needs to work out. I just really like that pairing in that episode, yeah. not even because I wrote the Zutara like, Comet, but because it's no, just but, a very successful and pairing. Because the episode doesn't need to. Yeah. Like, the, like they just, they could have made it weird, and they didn't yeah. make it weird, and they didn't even try to make it weird. Like, yeah. they didn't, they, like... They're like, we got enough stuff going on. Yeah. yeah. They, like, mm-hmm. literally just sidestepped it, which... This show did have that, like, I, I feel like that weird scene between Zuko and, and K-Town... Uh, mm-hmm. in season one. Yeah. 
and it just shows how much the show has grown that it's just like literally not even a specter of anything mm-hmm. uh, even though the characters have gotten so much older and I don't know and they do share a wonderful hug at the end of the episode very romantic interesting <laughs> so right. much tension oh. works really <laughs> And Sorry. I just want to give about a, lightning. I need to give a special shout out to Suki and Sokka's little booty call oh, event yeah. oh, that okay. Sokka walks yeah. in. That on. could have sold it for me. And this he might like, have to go on. Sokka turns around like holding a rose yeah. between his teeth and then immediately like eats it. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh <laughs> like yeah. chews it up. Yeah. That is uh, very funny. He's like, not who I was expecting, but not mad about it. <laughs> Um, but like the beach I almost just mm-hmm. don't even want to like crack open because it's so good I just want to send it on untarnished it's yeah. so and I feel good. like it is that good yeah. I feel like it is better than mm-hmm. the Southern Raiders oh, it kills so me hard. I didn't really kills like me. from my memory I didn't think that but I rewatched it and I forgot about that whole scene around the campfire and they make their oh, like yeah moody teenness like so relatable and like so adorable Mm -hmm. and like goofy and tropey but like just enough yeah so that they can actually like use all of it to just launch all of their characters also like azula is a sociopath oh yeah she's insane and you don't really know Mm -hmm. The depth of Azula's story at the end of season three and the way that it's just like mental decline gets her basically is insane to do, and they don't really even commit to it until the, that episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, she walks the line in all of it's, season two from oh. being the the villain, right? Mm-hmm. And we know that Ozai is the villain, but like she's really the villain of season two, mm-hmm. and she has like is just ruthless in mm-hmm. a way that you expect from cartoon villains, in a way that like her character. We had seen this play out time and again. Like, she's here to be fucking cruel, and we mm-hmm. get it. But then this is the episode where it's like, there's like a little bit of the veneer comes off. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, there's something else going on down here. And it's not just that. It's also like the party scene where mm-hmm. she can't pick up a guy. Yeah. And it's like yeah. that that but would she undo does. the princess. Like, she, she does kiss that guy. And yeah. so there's this other underlying current where she's just kind of like, acting good Mm -hmm. around people you know like she's acting Mm -hmm. the way people expect people to interact yeah but she's really this like cruel like awkward person who just like doesn't get it but then there are these instances with Ty Lee especially where like she's so mean to Ty Lee and then she like opens up emotionally (laughs) to her in, like, a way that feels very genuine, and then she goes right back to being cruel to Ty Lee and then uses the information that Ty Lee gives her to, like, go make out with that guy. She is just pretending to be one of us, you know? Like, she is really some sort of evil, like... I don't know. There's, like, something sinister about that, It is really amazing. And also, like... (laughs) I just, I had so many negative assumptions, honestly, coming into this episode, mostly because in my limited anime experience, I feel like the trope of the beach episode is kind of gross. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's kind of gross in every other anime. I'm like, yeah. why do they do this? And they managed to justify it. The things we see them go through on the beach, they then follow through to actually make meaningful character arcs for all for, for almost all, of all of, yeah all four yeah. of them yeah, yeah yeah so i feel i feel good about i feel good about the beach i have a lot more to say about yeah. it but oh, yeah. i think we okay. can get into that yeah. later um so i'm going to go ahead and write down the mm-hmm. beach and that one out for the southern raiders though really oh yeah 
and that will close out Jesus part two of the bracket join us next week for part three of the bracket we don't know what we're doing oh my god <laughs> we did not know this would be so hard you can find more episodes of this podcast at three nonbenders.com three spelled the normal way or you can keep up with our happenings on our social media there's a twitter it's three nonbenders but three with the number three and uh that's it oh thanks to isaac gilbert our absentee firebender for our music Play me up. There's a survivor reference in the There's, blue spirit. Okay, you gotta tell us. <laughs> okay, okay. When he is like, when they're like, the prisoner got out, and they, the guard has this like fucking conch shell looking thing, and he blows it and goes, oh, the same way the conch does at the beginning of every survivor episode. Thanks, CBS. I love it. I hope I check in the mail. <laughs> yeah. But what were you gonna say? just be the sound mm-hmm. of a conch shell horn. It is verified by imdb trivia are you serious yeah i was watching (laughs) on the amazon prime app and this little trivia fact literally popped up on the screen and i saw the word surviving and i was like it can't be and it was no i was like he is just too hype about the finale of survivor